working on Mondays. Is the man, is the man, watch that. Is the man, is the man, watch that. Is the man, is the man, watch that podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, the movie I'm reviewing this week features a very talented Australian performer, and coincidentally and unfortunately, we lost a very talented Australian performer this week, Olivia Newton-John. Now before all you true fans come at me, I know that she was born in England and moved to Australia when she was five, spending ten years there before moving back to England. But come on, when you hear that voice, it screams Australian. But I have to admit, this one hurt. I definitely got emotional when Eddie Van Halen passed. I mean, Right Now is my favorite song ever. But Olivia Newton-John goes to the core of my childhood. There was an HBO special that my parents taped from 1982 where Olivia Newton-John was performing live in Austin, Texas. From beginning to end, she had the crowd within the palm of her hands. It does help that she started her career as a country singer. But I watch that concert constantly, and it really epitomizes Olivia Newton-John as a performer. There weren't a lot of flashing lights, there weren't any dancers, no backing tapes, she wasn't even wearing an ear monitor. It was Olivia on stage, singing, dancing, smiling, being self-deprecating, a consummate performer. I think she had one of the most pure and cleanest voices in the industry. There was no strain, and it was effortless. The greatest example that I could give is the song Sam. Look it up on YouTube, watch the live version. The last 40 seconds of that is pure brilliance. She shows off her entire range. I'm eventually going to do a recommendation featuring Olivia Newton-John because she's so worth it. I can't really describe how influential she was in my life as a performer, but I knew when I was three, four, five, and I saw a performer or saw an actor, and in this case both, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to entertain people. I didn't know how, but the joy that she was bringing people and the excitement that she conveyed within her performance was what I wanted to feel. Sometimes when there's a gap between the height of someone's success and the time of their death, that you forget how brilliant they really were. And that's not a word that I throw around too often to describe people. But she truly had it all. And as good as she was as an actress, and she will always be remembered as Sandy, but as a singer, man... She wrote some songs here and there, but she mostly interpreted songs that people wrote for her, and I'm not sure that there was anyone better, because she didn't need the flourishes. All she had to do was just sing with the passion that she's known for. When you see a video like Hopelessly Devoted to You, or I Honestly Love You, you can feel it, because she's feeling it, and that's the mark of a true artist. (laughs) 
on to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is skip it. Two stars watch at your own risk. Three stars standard fare. Four stars worth checking out. And five stars must see. Now if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie. I, Tanya from 2017. So how'd I miss it? Well, I was able to watch it and I didn't. I lived through the story and wasn't in the mood to watch a fictionalized version. But then I saw Birds of Prey in theaters, and believe it or not, that was the movie that convinced me Margot Robbie is an amazing actress. Every choice she made was spot on. Then I saw an interview on YouTube with Vogue, and she seemed so cool. Like, I wanted to hang out with her for an afternoon, pick her brain, talk about the industry. So I've been watching a bunch of Margot Robbie films, Bombshell, Focus, Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, and this one was next on the list. It was directed by Craig Gillespie, who helmed Lars and the Real Girl, the Fright Night remake, and episodes of United States of Tara. The screenplay was written by Stephen Rogers, who scribed Hope Floats, Stepmom, Kate and Leopold, and P.S. I Love You. Lots of schmaltz there. This is something to look out for. Margot Robbie is a member of an amateur ice hockey league, but didn't have much experience skating. She trained for three months and performed some of the ice skating maneuvers in the film. The movie stars, as I mentioned, Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding. She was born and raised in Queensland, Australia. At eight years old, she enrolled in circus school, where she learned skills featured in the big top, including trapeze. She appeared in a few commercials and independent films down under, but her breakthrough role would be on the soap opera Neighbors. For those who have never heard of it, every major Australian actor has appeared in that show. It's almost a rite of passage. She moved to America and landed a role in the short-lived series Pan Am. For those who have never heard of it, you're not alone. The movie that catapulted her into stardom would be the Martin Scorsese-directed, Leonardo DiCaprio-acted, The Wolf of Wall Street. She's received two Academy Award nominations and will win the prize in the near future, if not for acting, then for producing under her company banner, Lucky Chap. Sebastian Stan portrays Jeff Galuli. He was born in Romania before moving to Vienna with his mom. Then, at the age of 12, his family settled in Rockland County, New York. While attending Rutgers University, he studied abroad in London for a year. Like many actors, he first appeared on an episode of Law & Order, before earning a role on Gossip Girl. He would gain further attention as the Mad Hatter on Once Upon a Time, but he's probably best well known as Bucky Barnes from the Captain America movies and the MCU. Allison Janney plays mother Lavana Harding. She started her career on soap operas As the World Turns and Guiding Light. She appeared on, say it with me, Law & Order. After over a decade in the business, she was cast as press secretary C.J. Craig on West Wing, where she would win three consecutive Primetime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series, and an additional one two years later. She would move on to comedy, starring in Mom for eight seasons, where she won two more Emmys. The movie begins with a filmmaker's note. It's based on an irony-free, wildly contradictory, totally true interviews with Tanya Harding and Jeff Galuli. Alright, this is going to be a ride. It starts off in present day where former Olympic figure skater Tanya Harding, her mother Lavana Harding, her ex-husband Jeff Galuli, his best friend and her former bodyguard, Sean Eckerd, and reporter Martin Maddox are reflecting on the infamous incident with Nancy Kerrigan and the events that led up to it. 
40 years earlier in Portland, Oregon, Lavana Harding attempts to sign up her four-year-old daughter, Tanya, for figure skating lessons. The instructor, Diane Rawlinson, reiterates that she doesn't train beginners or take students that young, but Lavana is persistent and tells Tanya to skate around, at which Diane sees an it factor. Six months later, she wins her first skating competition, defeating children much older than her. At 12 years old, Lavana watches her practice. She's critical of Tanya's technique, all the while trading off between cigarettes and booze. When she spots her daughter talking to another girl, she admonishes her, saying that the other skaters are her enemy. When Tanya starts heading toward the bathroom, Lavana blocks the exit out of the rink and tells her that she paid for her to skate and forces her to stay on the ice. After performing a spin, Tanya pees herself and her mom tells her bluntly to skate wet, believing she was a better skater when enraged. Tanya has a less confrontational relationship with her father, Albert, to the point that when her parents divorce, she wants to go with him and is heartbroken when he leaves. She learned how to hunt and fix up cars from him. He would continue to support her, sending money until he was laid off. At the age of 15, Tanya meets Jeff Galuli and his best friend Sean Eckert, who are hanging out at the ice skating rink for some reason. Even though he admits to having no game, he asks her out on a date. Naturally, Lavana accompanies them, and makes the date awkward for all. A few months into their courtship, it starts to become physically abusive, though they both accuse each other of being the instigator while denying the accusations. Twelve months later, at the 1986 Skate America in Portland, Maine, while the other skaters are performing to classical pieces, Tanya performs her routine to ZZ Top's sleeping bag. Her unconventional ways are looked down upon, and she's harshly judged in the competition. After a fight erupts with her mother, Tanya moves in with Jeff, the pair eventually marrying. She also drops her coach Diane to work under the tutelage of Dodie Teachman. At the 1991 Nationals in Minneapolis, Minnesota, she's the first American woman to land a triple axel in competition. After a disappointing routine at the 1992 Winter Olympics, she's convinced to train for the 1994 Olympics in Lillehammer. But there was one person standing in the way of superstardom, Nancy Kerrigan. Here's a quote without context. America. They want someone to love. They want someone to hate. I, Tanya was a pretty fantastic movie. There are conflicting narratives about the events involving Nancy Kerrigan, and it's left up to the audience to decide. I enjoyed it on a few levels. I think what the filmmakers did well was to create a certain amount of empathy for the main character without excusing her actions. There was a part in the movie where Tanya is speaking to the camera, and she says that Nancy Kerrigan got hit once and the world went crazy, but in her marriage, it was an all-the-time occurrence. She says it so matter-of-factly and disconnected from the emotion of it, that when the audience has a modicum of sympathy for her, it's completely wiped away by her comments. The filmmakers would use that talking heads technique mostly for comic relief, in especially tense moments. It's fascinating to hear her life story, there was so much balance between happiness and sadness. Margot Robbie turns in a great performance. Not only did she train to do many of the ice skating stunts, but portrays the character as a 15-year-old with braces and short feathered hair, to a 20-something Olympian, to a present-day mother. Great work in the hair and makeup departments. The more I see Alice and Janney, the more I like her work. She appeared in an episode of Weeds playing a lawyer who helped Andy and Nancy. She was very memorable as a character and could have done so much with her, but it was her only appearance. I think it was a favor because at the time, Mary Louise Parker had a guest role on West Wing. But anyway, all around, the acting was pretty much superb. Ultimately, it's a fish-out-of-water story. In a sport where women are portrayed in a particular way, Tanya Harding broke the mold out of necessity. 
She couldn't afford the luxuries that come with ice skating and had to make do. Despite resistance from fellow performers and the judges, she rose to prominence in the sport. And then it all came crashing down. Now for a little trivial trivia. The movie was shot in a total of 30 days. The cinematography was captured by Nicholas Caracasanis, whose filmography includes The Loft, The Drop, and Cruella. It was edited by Tatiana S. Regal, who worked on Lars and the Real Girl, The Way Way Back, Cruella, and was nominated for Best Achievement in Film Editing for this movie. I was most impressed with the way that she was able to seamlessly integrate footage of Margot Robbie and the stunt double into a cohesive performance. Like, you can't fake Margot Robbie starting to spin in the air, switch it out with the stunt double, and then land and it be Margot Robbie again. They might have used special effects to place Margot Robbie's face on the stunt double, which they've been doing in movies for years, but it just seemed extra precise. The score was composed by Peter Nichelle, who wrote the music for episodes of Dirty Sexy Money, Life on Mars, Lie to Me, Younger, and Marco Polo. The soundtrack featured songs by Cliff Richard, Bad Company, ZZ Top, and Dire Straits. The runtime is 1 hour 59 minutes. It had a budget of $11 million and grossed $54 million at the box office. It was nominated for three Oscars at the 2018 Academy Awards, winning one for Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role for Allison Janney. I give it 4 out of 5 stars. Add half a star if you're a fan of figure skating, or live through this experience. If you've seen I, Tanya and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. Last year, on August 16th, we lost an extremely talented British comedian named Sean Locke, who died of cancer at the age of 58. It came as quite a shock because only a few close friends knew of his illness, and it didn't become public until he passed. In looking back on some shows, he definitely appears thinner, but he never missed a step. He is best known as a team captain on 8 out of 10 Cats, a British comedy panel show about opinion polls, surveys, and statistics, but it's mostly a platform for Sean, John Richardson, and host Jimmy Carr to crack jokes at the expense of anyone and anything. He has a dry sense of humor, deadpan delivery, sometimes it takes a second to realize he's making a joke, and some of the punchlines would come out of nowhere. The, the concepts and things he associated are astounding. It takes a comedic genius to mad-lib a joke, and it completely works on every level. His crowning achievement is when a producer from the BBC decided to mash up the cast of 8 out of 10 Cats with Countdown, a very dry game show of maths and words. The combo show was on for 22 seasons, 138 episodes. It was on these shows that there were two epic battles of Carrot in a Box, a game of bluff where the player who wins ends up with a carrot. The premise sounds completely stupid on the face of it, but led to two very funny moments which I'm going to post. Sean Locke was an incredibly gifted comedian with impeccable timing. His last appearance on video was to promote Edible London, a charity designed to help eradicate food poverty. These clips are all available in the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. 
I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about... Sex Education. Created by Lori Nunn, it tells the story of high school student Otis Milburn, who sets up an anonymous sex therapy office in an abandoned bathroom with his friend Maeve to help other students with their sexual issues. Even though Otis is socially awkward and has his own hang-ups about sex, his mother is a well-regarded sex therapist who talks openly with her son, which has given him insight that makes him wise beyond his years in that area. I was initially brought into the series because of Gillian Anderson, who plays Jean Milburn, the mother. In my eyes, nothing will surpass her role as Dana Scully from The X-Files, but she has really fostered some career, which is rare after being on a successful series. Bleak House, The House of Mirth, The Fall. But I dare say it does seem like she's having a lot of fun in this particular role. It stars Asa Butterfield as Otis. He was a child actor who appeared in The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, one of the most brutally heartbreaking movies I've ever seen. He was also in Hugo, Ender's Game, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, and Time Freak. Emma Mackey, who portrays Maeve, is probably my favorite character in the series. She plays the character with a lot of layers and nuance. I just watched her in Death on the Nile, and she'll be appearing in the new Barbie movie with Margot Robbie. Shudigatwa plays Otis's gay best friend Eric, who is probably the breakout star of the series. He's been cast as the new Doctor Who, who will debut later this year. Or regenerate, I guess. I really enjoy the series. There are a lot of laugh-out-loud moments. One of my biggest tweets was about the show and one of my favorite scenes. It's truly enjoyable, one of the smarter coming-of-age series. Sex Education has been on for three seasons, 24 episodes from 2019 to present. The series was renewed for a fourth season and airs on Netflix. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for the latest news and updates. And come back next time for the reviews, rants, and randomness. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie I, Tanya from Night. Good start. He was also in Hugo, Ender's Game, Miss Peregrine's Home for, Pachu- oh, for Patchouli Children. The cinematography was captured by Nicholas Caracas. Oh, I should have looked out how to pronounce that name before I started. <laughs>